0: And they said to the head teacher, you know, are there any concerns about this child? And of course, instantly this planted a seed. The teacher then followed up with an email and said, this is of potential concern. And they noted this particular incident where the child was saying, you know, Allah created everything. Allah created snow. My mom taught me this Arabic prayer, uh, dua. And they said, you know, this could be of concern. And they shared that.
1: The British Conservative government is currently going through crisis after crisis. For the past 12 years, we have witnessed the slow and sorry car crash of its failed policies. At the time of broadcast, its current embattled Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has had to U-turn on her economic plan and hangs on by a thread. Yet very few journalists and political commentators pay much attention to another series of disastrous policy initiatives focused on the Muslim community. And despite all the evidence, the government ploughs money into initiatives like Prevent, an insidious counter-terror strategy that has caused untold damage to community relations and alienated large numbers of Muslims. Prevent, a statutory duty of all public officials, looks to find what the government calls signs of radicalisation – Often these indicators are conflated with Islamic practice or subject to the prejudices of teachers and other officials that have been whipped up in a McCarthyite-style frenzy. My guest today is an academic and activist who has been following the trail of mayhem caused by Prevent and has for years held the government to account. Dr Layla Eytelhaj is the director of Prevent Watch, Her most recent contribution as the co-author of the People's Review of PREVENT drew support from over a dozen human rights NGOs, including Amnesty International and the UN Rapporteur on Protecting Freedoms. I asked Dr Leila to help us understand PREVENT, analyse the broader implications of the policy and draw on her extensive casework to help us visualise why PREVENT and the Conservative Party is toxic within our communities. So Dr. Layla Eyt al-Haj. as alaykum wa rahmatullah. And f- uh, thank you for joining us at the Thinking Muslim podcast.
0: Wa alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Thank you for having me on.
1: Now, it, it's really a pleasure to, to have you with us because I know you're an expert uh, when it uh, it comes to uh, prevent and it's interrelated Uh, issues and and there's a lot of moving parts that I want to explore today and I know that you'd be able to untangle this for us. Uh, I mean, you've been one of the most prominent campaigners against Prevent. Your organisation Prevent Watch launched an independent review of Prevent earlier this year as a response to the government's long-awaited review known as the Shawcross Review I want to explore your review and your criticisms of Shawcross and the broader government strategy. Listeners to this podcast would know that we've looked at it uh, previously, at least, uh, uh, Prevent and and its interrelated issues. We've explored the Trojan horse affair. uh, But I know your expertise will fill many of the gaps that I have uh, in my thinking about where the government is going with this strategy. But let's start with Prevent as a policy. Now, my understanding is uh, it began with the Labour government in 2007 and consequently has been expanded by the Conservative government and and made a statutory duty. Talk me through what Prevent is, how it works and what it aims to achieve. And I suppose how it's been extended and expanded over the years.
0: Prevent is one arm of forearms of the UK's counterterrorism strategy so there is protect, prepare, pursue and prevent and prevent is unique from the other aspects of the counterterrorism strategy because it acts clearly within the pre-crime space. Now when people think pre-crime they think oh that's great because it's just before a crime because the word pre-crime but actually what we're talking about in pre-crime is something well before any intention or preparation has ever occurred. We're not talking about pre-crime in the way that you might just dissect the word and say it's before a crime no in fact pursue is looking at something before the crime pursue is disrupting an activity before it happens so when um, media or government suggests that oh we've unfoiled terror attacks you couldn't have possibly unfoiled them using prevent Mm. what you've actually unfoiled Mm. is something that was in preparation and therefore what they've used is they've used pursue Prevent can never be demonstrated as being used to stop a terror attack because prevent is based on thoughts and Mm -hmm. ideas, and this is why you hear about people being referred to prevent as four year olds or 10 year olds. It's they've never intended or thought about committing any crime, let alone a terrorist uh, activity. So um, what it is, is it's based on the idea that you can stop people from becoming future terrorists. Okay, Mm -hmm. So it's essentially if somebody told you that, oh, I can predict your future, you would probably laugh them out the room. And yet the government is telling us that they can predict who might be vulnerable later on in the future to become a terrorist. And somehow Mm -hmm. that is accepted and millions of pounds are injected into Prevent every single year to keep this going, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that there's been no evidence to suggest that this can actually work.
1: Let, let, let me understand this. So, uh, I don't know, a, a 16-year-old boy at, at school uh, uh, is preparing to, I mean, as we saw the phenomenon a few years about five or six years back, preparing to travel to Syria. Uh, th- would that be uh, a, a typical example of a prevent referral?
0: It would be. So usually if a teacher has, has heard, okay, this child is going to travel, um then they probably would refer it under prevent but they okay. wouldn't it wouldn't just be a case that oh you know this child might go uh, and travel to syria and therefore i'm going to refer them under prevent right mm. um it, it would be any child traveling anywhere abroad particularly to a muslim country might get flagged right. under prevent and furthermore right. if you were going to actually uh, if you did think as a teacher this child is about to go and travel to syria then you wouldn't actually draw on prevent it would be more of an immediate action you would probably call Mm -hmm. the police if you thought that he was traveling to syria to join a group Mm -hmm. right you Mm -hmm. wouldn't call on prevent because prevent is like seen as the softer approach you would call the police and say look i think he's going to travel abroad and i think he's going to you know so there's a very clear distinction they wouldn't say to that person oh you know we think you're vulnerable and therefore you're going to come under prevent It, it would be very very early on so they might actually not say while I'm preparing to go and travel abroad, Mm. the prevent referral would be more in the category of, "Mm, this child knows a lot about Syria. Uh, They spend a lot of time online. Mm, I'm worried that they might go and uh, think about traveling to Syria rather than I know they're in the act of preparing to go Mm. to Syria.
1: Right, okay. And so um, so I've been like half of all referrals are made by school teachers. And so we're talking about uh, primarily, or, or at least, you know, in, in a in a in a greater sense, young people who are being referred to the prevent scheme. So, so school teachers would typically be looking out for signs uh, of radicalization or, or what they have been trained to believe is radicalisation. I mean, give me some examples of of things that school teachers would be looking out for in a in a student.
0: Yeah. So the signs of radicalization are the signs that teachers, you know, doctors, any public sector worker would have been trained upon. Mm. Um, and these signs are really general signs that essentially right. any single teenager and even any adult could have been referred under. It doesn't take right. a particular combination of these signs. And these signs is just, are as general as, you know, looking for identity and meaning, <laughs> you know, showing dominance, showing dominance, going through a transitional mm. period. Every single person is going to tick their teenage child. And this is why a lot of the referrals are actually from, um, you know, teen- uh, towards teenagers. The prevent referrals are of teenagers because they're going through these natural transitions. Of course, they're going to be a bit more withdrawn or change their friendship groups or, you know, potentially change their religion. These things happen. It, it's a normal part of growing up. It's a normal part of, of changing your ideas. And yet these are the same signs that people have no idea about uh, terrorism are told, you know, you need to look out for these signs because the, that person could be vulnerable to to becoming a future terrorist, essentially. Um, and this is where a lot of the conflation comes in. And, you know, just going back to that point about Syria, I mean, schools already knew about Prevent when the um, Bethnal Green Girls went and travelled to Syria. Yes. You know, they weren't stopped. They weren't stopped from travelling under Prevent. Mm. In fact, I believe one of their schools was one of the first ones to adopt Prevent in the first place. But mm. they didn't, you know, they didn't get stopped from travelling to Syria. And, and so it begs the question, why are people who do end up traveling to Syria, why are they not stopped by Prevent? Hmm.
1: And, and why is that? I mean, y- y- you tell me.
0: Well, simply because Prevent doesn't work. Hmm. I mean, you're you're your screening, if you think of how many public sector workers there are in the UK, hmm. there are over 5 million public sector workers. Hmm. And so essentially what you're doing is you're getting 5 million public sector workers to be your eyes and ears and to report on anything that they feel suspicious. And they're being told to trust their gut. Right. And essentially what you're doing is you're saying, tap into your bias, mm. no matter how conscious or unconscious that bias may be, mm. and report anything you think might be suspicious. So if you're, you know, a non-Muslim um, who has no idea really about some of your Muslim students, and you think, oh, that that child, you know, they've turned 13, 14, you know, they're now asking me if they can take a break so they can go and pray. You know, you might think, oh, that's a bit extreme. Why are you going to use your break time to pray? Why wouldn't you want to go and play with your friends? You know, and tap into that bias and think, yeah, that's a, bit, that's a bit bizarre, actually. You know what? I'm just going to trust my gut. Um, they've started to wear hijab or, you know, they've started to dress more modestly. I'm going to trust my gut. This is what I am mandated to do. Mm. Bear in mind, they are mandated to do that. They have a legal duty to report those signs. And, you know, if it's nothing, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Well, they don't realize is that if it's nothing, uh, what you haven't stopped is that person being vetted and interrogated potentially by a prevent officer. And, you know, we call them prevent officer, but really a prevent officer is a counterterrorism officer. Right. So it's not even your local police officer. It's a counter-terrorism officer. And most people would be quite intimidated if they were questioned even by a police officer, let alone if they're questioned by a counter-terrorism officer who thinks that you might be susceptible to being a terrorist. I mean, that's a really intimidating thing to go through. So if you think about it, 5 million public sector workers are reporting on thousands of people every single year. And these people, all the first stage of a prevent referral is that you get vetted by a counterterrorism officer.
2: Mm. And
0: usually that happens in person. Mm. And many times it happens at home. So it's, you know, that whole idea of like, oh, I'd rather be safe and sorry, and there's no harm done. There is harm done. Even just at that first initial interaction, that's without any of the subsequent potential steps that may occur.
1: And, and what are the subsequent steps? Imagine if the uh, prevent officer uh, feels that there's something here uh, that needs mm-hmm. to be explored further. I mean, this is, of course, what you've described as a pre-criminal space. So we're not talking about yeah. someone who's you know, who's immediately in the process of undertaking uh, an act of terrorism. We're talking about someone who's showing signs that they believe is, you know, are signs of radicalization. So if, for example, that uh, that uh, prevent officer decided that there's something here, what happens next?
0: Yeah, most times the prevent officer does believe there's something there because you have to keep in mind that the prevent officer is trained on the same signs that... the the teacher or the doctor has been has been uh, taught right so they're going on the same assumptions um, and so usually they will refer it now in the case of children um, social services are almost inevitably always involved Mm. when it comes to a child so whenever there is a prevent referral of a child you have social services even if that family was never known to social services before, even if there were no flags around any emotional or welfare, physical, any type of concerns being flagged in terms of the home, Mm. social services will end up being involved. Mm. So now you have a family who have a social service record, even though there's no signs that that child needs any support under social services, but social services will come in. And one of the reasons why social services will come in is because you don't have to engage with a prevent officer. Right. right. Even at that early stage, you don't have to engage with them. Right. You've not committed any crime. They're coming in essentially for a quote-unquote chat. Mm. You don't need to engage with them. But you do have to engage with social services. Right. And so oftentimes what will happen is prevent officers won't even show up by themselves in the first instance. They will straight away show up with social services. And that creates even bigger intimidation and fear. And you think, oh, my God, I have to show that there is nothing here so the family will open that door and allow for themselves to be assessed thinking well you know i have nothing to hide i have nothing to hide not realizing that the social worker is coming in with an assumption that assumption is that your child is at risk of radicalization and that assumption is that that child got that risk of radicalization from somewhere and the likelihood is that somewhere is their family their Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. Right, because you are an adult, and therefore, if your child is saying something, surely that child got that from you, right? It's it's that environment that they're growing up in. They're not going to say, oh, they got it from school, they got it from BBC News. They're not going to suggest that it was mainstream media or, or your school that you might have learned various ideas from. They're mm. going to assume it's from family. So you have social services intervention. You have a situation where essentially you're being interrogated by a counterterrorism officer, mm. and you don't have any of the safeguards that you would have if you were being questioned for suspicion of a crime by a police officer you don't have those rights because the police the officer at the time isn't governed by the same code of conduct that they would if they were there investigating a crime Mm. and we've we've seen this in practice we've complained uh, clients have come to us asked for support they don't understand why their 8-year-old, their 10-year-old, their 13-year-old has been questioned by themselves without a guardian, without consent or anything. And they've said, hold on, this breaches PACE. Right. It PACE is the code of conduct that police should adhere to. Yes. And when we complained to the police and said, why did you decide to question this child by themselves for 30 minutes, one hour, without a parent or guardian present, they've said, well, we weren't investigating a crime. And mm-hmm. so we didn't need to follow that code of conduct. However, if you think about it, the information that they gather from that particular interrogation could be used against you.
2: Mm.
0: But you don't have that right. You don't have that right to silence. You don't have that right to ask for a lawyer. You don't even have that right as a child to ask for your parent to be in the room. Mm. So it's a very kind of gray area that's really open to abuse. And, you know, the social services intervention could mean that the prevent officer goes away, but the social services decide to stay. Right. And say, well, actually, we're going to stay and we think you need support. And then the parents feel obliged, like, oh, maybe we have to take on the support, because if we don't take on the support, then it means that, you know, we're not doing what's in the best interest of our child, even though even the social services intervention, you know, if they don't meet the threshold, they don't meet the threshold. It's voluntary. Hmm. And again, so it's just, a lot of social services won't explain to the parents. what you're about to undertake is voluntary and so they think they have to engage with those social services they think they have to engage with those prevent officers and it can be a really really traumatic and confusing time for the parents and the children involved because they believe something's wrong like something's happened i've done something as a child i've done something wrong and it has created this huge intervention in my family life
1: um i'm uh, looking at your report here and and it's a it's an amazing review actually of of prevent and uh, some really uh, interesting case studies, which I, I, you know, shocked me. And, you know, I've, I've been following this from afar for some time, but some of the case studies have been um, pretty startling. And in your report, there's, there's an even more startling series of statistics. Um, let me read it out for our listeners. It's quite a long passage, but I think it's, it's quite important. And I want you to uh, reflect on, um, uh, on what, uh, what, what it suggests. Uh, so in the year 2017 to 18, there were 7,318 prevent referrals, of which 42% were, required, were judged to require no action. Uh, another 40% left the process and were directed to other services. So as you've described, they're probably social services or, or other community services. Um, but these uh, were not at risk of radicalization. So another 40% were were taken out of the system because um, uh, it was deemed that uh, they weren't on this so-called continuum towards radicalization uh, before a channel discussion took place. So I'm going to ask you what a channel discussion is in a second, but let me, let me just read on. So 70% of those discussed at channel did not proceed onto the program. So, in all, three hundred and ninety four individuals out of a total of seven thousand three hundred and eighteen were judged appropriate for channel. So this represents five percent of all those formally referred to prevent. so ninety five percent, in other words, of prevent referrals were made incorrectly, and channel was deemed inappropriate for six thousand nine hundred and twenty four individuals. I mean, that, that just sounds shocking to me. how How do you square what looks like an obvious failed policy here?
0: So this is the the beauty of Prevent's own failures that even by its own admission and statistics, you can see that it's not working. And I'd say even deeper than the 95 percent, because you could kind of say, well, look, if we have 100 people and 95 people haven't done anything and don't warrant any further action, then surely it's in the best interest of everybody that those five people captured from the 100 people, you know, those five people could do some serious damage. Mm. That assumes that the 5%, those five people that have gone onto channel are actually five people who are potential terrorists, Mm. which is not the case. Because channel is essentially what the, um, you know, the governments frame it as their de-radicalization program. Channel is essentially you get a mentor. So for one child, for example, the channel mentor, he was actually referred under far-right extremism. Um, But strangely enough, during his uh, referral he converted to islam right and his channel mentor was a muslim who came to teach him the correct way of being a muslim
2: hmm.
0: you know because there's a good muslim a bad muslim <laughs> right so he was teaching him how to be a good muslim hmm. and um and it was very bizarre so okay explain to me so this child was referred on the far right and even the far right referral was a complete joke. I mean, people think, oh, it's fine because there are also far, far right extremists who are being caught. If you look at the far right referrals, they're equally damning as the um, referrals of young Muslims. I mean, most of these referrals are children mm. who have said or done something that could easily be dealt with by their teacher, by their parents. And instead, they're being treated as if they're about to be the next uh, you know, high profile terrorist. Right. Um, so yeah, so the channel mentor, the channel program is essentially like having a kind of big brother, you know, it's like a big brother mentorship. Mm. Okay. Again, there's no evidence to suggest that that person spending some time with them has taken them away from the path of terrorism. Mm. Okay. So that 5% is not even 5% of people who are genuinely radicalized and who are, you know, genuinely going on to commit any potential criminal act. In fact, a lot of that 5% are people who feel that they have to accept channel. Like they have to go onto the channel program because there is a lot of pressure. And we often get people calling us saying, look, um, they're suggesting that my child go onto channel. These are the circumstances of the prevent referral. Obviously the prevent referral is all ridiculous, but I'm really worried because what happens if I don't engage with channel? Mm. And so they feel coerced and they feel that they have to engage yeah so this isn't suggesting that even that five yeah which is a ridiculous number in a way but you can kind of come around and say well no you know one terrorist would be bad enough let alone five Mm -hmm. if out of every hundred we're stopping that's not the case there's actually no evidence to suggest that prevent does what it says on the tin and what does prevent say on the tin it says prevent is there to stop people being drawn into terrorism there's not a single shred of evidence that has been produced by anybody in the pro-Prevent lobby, by any member of government, or by any of the reviews, including this Shawcross review, will not show us a single shred of evidence. I can be certain of that, that Prevent works to stop people from being drawn into terrorism.
1: It begs the question, why continue with such a policy? And if if uh, only 394 individuals out of a total of 7,318 are referred to Prevent, and as you've quite rightly described there, even those individuals were probably not uh, on this pathway to r- terrorism to 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 radicalization. Mm-hmm. you know surely the, the government produced these statistics I mean you know they uh, they know what's going on uh, they know that mm-hmm. uh, there are large numbers of people who are being scooped up by this program who are not actually uh, you know who, who shouldn't be uh, referred to this program so so why continue spending? millions of pounds and 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 exerting an energy and writing reviews when the program is failing i mean what's your thinking behind
0: that i think the best way to look at that is to flip it on its head and look at the um higher percentage that are not uh, seen as even under by their own logic warranting any further action so let's look at the 95 percent. where do they end up yeah Okay, so some of them are complete misinformed referrals, right? Mm. They don't, then it's not suggested that they require any support. Uh, If you look again at the Home Office's own statistics, they're suggesting that the majority of that percent, what happens to them is that they require some support, but it's not, you know, channel. So Mm. what is that support? Well, that support is potentially healthcare support or social services support. Um, So what has happened to the support services then? Why couldn't they have accessed mental health care or social services directly why instead of the teacher making a prevent referral and being encouraged to make a prevent referral or the doctor making a prevent referral you know and being encouraged to make a prevent referral why did they not just directly make a referral to one of the other services because you know if you go to your gp and you require mental health uh, support yes your gp knows exactly what he needs to do to do that you know teachers if they think oh there's a breakdown somewhere in family structure or something's happening and you might actually benefit from some um, early year support some social services support they have the professional judgment and they've been doing so for a very long time in order to make that call right and to and to offer it as a support service to the family they're not doing that instead it's having to go through prevent in order to go back to social services or go through Prevent in order to go back to mental health care, and so you have to look at the state of mental health care and look at the state of social services and look at the state of you know youth clubs even, right? What has happened to them in the last decade? Funding mm-hmm. has been stripped from these places. Mm-hmm. Right? They have had massive fund cuts. At the same time, Prevent has received huge injections of money. It's easier to justify an injection of money to you know keep keep the nation safe than it is to suggest that you know, we need money to keep our youth off the street or to engage youth and to you know, bolster the mental health of our nation. And that is essentially what is happening. Prevent is being seen as this fix-all, and it's not at all. In fact, it's creating more problems. And so you have people like um, you know, even Sarah Khan, for example, mm. um, speaking of, of hateful extremism. You know, firstly, nobody defined what extremism was. Okay, and everyone was waiting for the uh, Mm. commission of counter extremism to define what extremism was, because that was her role for a couple of years. Yes. And instead of doing that, she came out with a new term. I'm not going to define extremism. Instead, I'm going to come out with a new term called hateful extremism. Mm. What is hateful extremism? Uh, It looks a lot to me like hateful extremism is a hate crime. We already have a definition for that. Yes. We already have laws for that.
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, do you think that prevent is aimed at doing something greater? I mean, I, going beyond the ninety-five percent. Um, I mean, I, I speak to uh, people in the community who, who, who talk about prevent in in hushed tones, and they, uh, they, you, you can see there's a palpable fear. Maybe fear is a too, too strong a word. Well, maybe it isn't. You know, there is a fear about prevent in the wider Muslim community. Uh, even beyond those who have directly interacted with the process. Um, I mean, is, is Prevent there to instill fear and suspicion in the Muslim community? I mean, does it have a wider aim of, of I don't know, social engineering, uh, a way to silence um, Muslim voices and, and to prevent Muslims from, um, uh, from, from, from participating in, you know, as, as ready members of, of, uh, of a Muslim community?
0: I think that is one aspect of it. Um, if we look at it from a power perspective, I mean, in order for power to thrive um, and to be very kind of authoritarian, you need to divide, which Prevent certainly does. You know, there is a division. Um, there is a division amongst the Muslim community who, you know, some Muslims accepted Prevent and thought, yes, you know, there is a problem. We need to solve it. We need this money. We need to show our youth had to be good Muslims and to behave a certain way. And, you know, so there there is certainly that division within the Muslim community. We've seen that play out over the years, you know. Mm. Um, But there is also division in wider society. So you have that, you know, it plays on that far right, uh, you know, Islamist type divide. You know, it plays on non-Muslim, Muslim, you know, it plays on that divide. And that divide is really important if you want to deliberately create division in order to remain in power and in order to be more authoritarian. Um, it certainly silences and we've seen evidence of that. We know that people are self-censoring, particularly the Muslim community because they do feel targeted. So they're self-censoring. They're not displaying um, you know, normative Islamic beliefs openly because they are worried that if, they, if you are openly Muslim, then you will also be openly extreme according to the minds of those who implement Prevent. And Prevent is not just you know, prevent is wider than just a referral system prevent there is an environment of prevent there is a logic to prevent that creates a certain environment that goes well beyond the referrals you don't need to be referred to prevent in order to be impacted by its logic yes right yeah. so that logic again if you think about how people are trained on the logic how many millions of people are trained on logic how many people are afraid of the logic right you are impacted by it you're impacted by this idea that having certain thoughts and beliefs expressing your ideas is going to be detrimental to you and so you will self-censor and so you may look at your children and say you know what actually don't wear hijab just yet you're quite young maybe wait a little bit longer because i don't want to be seen as an extreme parent i don't want to be seen as a parent that is you know quote-unquote forcing you to do anything right so there is a worry from parents from children I mean, we even saw with the um, Palestinian activism that happened last year off the back of uh, Sheikh Sharah. you know, there were were children who were uh, acting in solidarity with Palestine who were being sanctioned by schools, right? They were being sanctioned by schools. And so you might think, well, yeah, but it wasn't prevent. But they were being sanctioned off the back of prevent rhetoric and logic,
2: Mm.
0: okay? And actually, there is evidence to suggest that the schools were being fed lines from, counter-extremism right so there were ways on how to deal with the children that were being fed down through to the schools right so why were they being involved you know surely if the kids are doing something unruly um, and they're not displaying acts of solidarity properly and maybe i don't know i think there were excuses like oh you're not allowed to stick up things on the wall and so that's why you're being sanctioned okay fine why do you need the input of counter-extremism your school just say we can't stick things on the walls but there were extreme sanctions playing out um, because of the fact that these children were expressing themselves and you know palestinian activism is on the training slides for when people are being trained up on how to prevent signs of extremism you know palestinian activism is there and we had a teacher who uh, i believe we included her um, testimony in the people's review of prevent who was saying that she was taking part You know, as as a member of staff at school, she was taking part in this prevent training, and the um, person who was delivering the prevent training from the local authority said that you know, if somebody is at a Palestinian rally, right, showing support for Palestine, if you're at a rally and you're taking your children, that is a problem. That is a potential sign of extremism. Mm. Right. So when actually that that um, that member of staff called her out on it and said oh my god what are you saying Um, and then followed up and wrote a letter she tried to justify what she was saying okay in her email which was completely different to what had happened according to the member of staff in in the actual room where they were being trained she tried to kind of justify in the email oh this is why I explained it and I didn't really say this and this is what I said but then what she said was oh you know it's really important that we have your views and maybe you should be Part of our group, so you can help us deliver this training better. And I say that in that tone because you know, allowing for Muslims to come into that space and feel that they're contributing is very much a part of how Prevent manages to keep keep itself going. Right? right. You use members of its own community to dish out the oppression. And I'll give you an example. I went to um, I went to one of the social services interventions that was playing out on one family off the back of a prevent referral. Um, And the sister asked me to attend with her. So I went, um, I wasn't allowed to to speak. I was only allowed to to sit and and offer kind of support for the parent. And there were several people in the room from the different schools that the children went to. She had several children. And there was only one Muslim there. Okay, there were about five people in the room, all of them non-Muslim and there was one Muslim there. Mm. And all of them spoke so highly of the children, no concerns, no issues. And bearing in mind, this sister has to go through this process in order to tick all these boxes so that she can come out of this social services intervention with her children. And, you know, the children are fine. And these are outstanding children. Like they will put any children to shame, honestly, like the grades are impeccable. They're in, you know involved in all these extracurricular activities, um, you know, absolutely shining stars. And then the one Muslim person who was in the room made a comment. I said, well, yeah, I don't really have any concerns, but the child did say this, and I'm just wondering where they got this from. Um, obviously, I can't go into the detail, but it was a really, it was a non-issue. It was a non-comment. Mm-hmm. And you could see quite clearly that she was saying that because she didn't want to seem sympathetic as the only Muslim in the room to the Muslim who is essentially like, you know, under the intervention. Okay, overcompensating for her muslimness as a professional to not seem that she was being biased by making this ridiculous comment in the first place that's what it came across as to me it's like okay now you're part of this whole system and the non-muslims in the room are using their professional judgment right to suggest that these children have no concerns and you are now going above and beyond your professional judgment because you feel somehow insecure of the fact that you are Muslim and you're trying to now overcompensate and be part of this whole oppressive issue that's happening and playing out.
1: And do you feel, I mean, Prevent has a an insidious effect on uh, the broader, uh, the non-Muslims and how they view uh, Muslims? So I, I can imagine uh, lots of teachers, I mean, my colleagues, uh, after after a series of Prevent training uh, sessions, um you know were were you can tell that they were far more suspicious of uh, of muslim children and and would view them with with an extra level of scrutiny than say they would they would view uh sort of a broader student community in fact i remember after a, a one prevent training a fellow a colleague of mine who you know who was uh, you know a, a washed out liberal a very you know open-minded person uh, after a an intense prevent training uh, he left the f- he left the um the lecture theater and, and said and said to you know generally that you know we should invade their countries and change these people's mindsets um, yes. and and it was a it was a shocking comment to hear from someone who i regarded as being sort of this uh, this left-leaning individual who's who's got very cosmopolitan sensitivities and and i can imagine uh writ large that say there is a broader uh uh consensus growing in, in the broader community that we should see muslims and their family units with with a with an air of suspicion mm-hmm. i mean have you seen that in in your in your uh, um engagements we prevent
0: yeah so I think this is the I mean, there are so, there are two ways I've seen this. Firstly, I've seen this in people who have come openly to to contact Prevent Watch and say, "Look, I've just undergone the training, and like, oh my god, mm. even as a non-Muslim, like I feel really insulted by what was just being said." And then we see it in the play out of various Prevent referrals. So, um, you know, there was a nursery teacher, for example, who um, made a comment. Um, sorry, she didn't make a comment. She was reporting on the comment that the child made. Where the child said, You know, Allah created everything. Okay, Muslim child, of course he believes Allah created everything, right? Uh, Allah even created snow, right? So this is a young, nursery age child. Uh, Allah created snow, Allah created everything. Hmm. Um, And then the child mentions this dua that their parent taught them. Um, again, to a non-Muslim, non-Arabic speaking person, this is, he's uttering mm. some Arabic words. Oh my God, you know, mm. shock, horror. We have to be worried. Um, and at, but at the other time, it's interesting because the teacher didn't flag it as a concern. Okay, they noted it as, as nursery teachers do usually, you know, when the child's playing, role-playing, whatever, they'll make the little notes uh, as part of their you know development. They'll, they'll make these notes. Um, but she did not flag it as a concern. When she did flag it as a concern was after prevent officers who were unable to interact with the father because the father refused to engage. It was like, why should I engage with you? Like, who are you? Am I legally Mm. met? Do I need to speak to you? If you want to speak to me, Mm. that's fine. Call me over to the station and I will come to the station. I'll come to the police station with a lawyer and I'll speak to you, but I'm not going to speak to you as a counterterrorism officer, you know, off the record. I don't want to do that. So that was his choice to make. Mm. And then what happened was the prevent officers approached the school of this young child who said, Allah created everything and created snow, and said to that Mm. school, and this was very unofficial, there's no like paper trial. They didn't send the school letter, they turned up at the school, right? And they said to the head teacher, you know, are there any concerns about this child? And of course, instantly, this planted a seed in that. Head teacher and, and in all of the teachers' mind about this child. Because why would counterterrorism officers, you know, this can't be a usual event that counterterrorism officers turn mm. up at school and ask if there's a concern with a four or five-year-old. That that's not the norm. Okay. So instantly, what are you going to think? You're going to think there must be trouble at home. Mm. Right? Because this family is involved with counterterrorism. And so, you know, there's no smoke without fire. Let's look back now. And look, at, look through the comments that this child has made. And initially, actually, the teacher said, when they were first asked, the teacher said, no, we don't know of any comments. Okay, And they went away. The next day, the teacher then followed up with an email mm. and said, this is of potential concern. And they noted this particular incident where the child was saying, you know, Allah created everything, Allah created snow. My mom taught me this Arabic prayer, uh, dua. And they said, you know, this could be of concern. And they shared that. Now, even if you thought that counterterrorism officers were involved in um, this child's family's life for whatever reason, even if you thought that was the case, why would the fact that this child says Allah creates everything, including snow, Mm. and the fact that this child knew Arabic dua, why would that be potential concern for you to email it through? Because now you have a seed in your mind that these people are a problem, right? And Arabic is a problem. And Islam is a problem. And even the idea that you know Allah created everything for this child to think that, that is a problem. Mm. And I think when, when people, not just out of the training, but just the general environment feel that, despite statistics, you could tell them, look, statistically, it's not correct. Statistically, Muslims are not the problem, okay? You can show them the statistics and say, look, all the evidence shows it's not Muslims that are doing all the terror acts. It's the far right, but you can show them those statistics. It's not as strong as that sense that they feel from what they're being fed day in, day out by media, by politicians. Mm. Right? It's not as strong. Showing them a statistic is not going to move them in the same way that they have been moved every single day in all the subtle signs. You know, whether that's you're on the tube and it's a, you know, see it, say it, sort it, or you're in your prevent training All of these things build up and you don't even realize till you get to the point and you think, no, I'm not racist. No, I'm not Islamophobic. Mm. No, you are. You just don't realize the journey that you've been on. You don't realize that the person being groomed is you. You're the one that's been groomed into believing. You're the one that's been brainwashed into believing this, right? Not The problem of brainwashing isn't happening on the other side. It's happened to you.
1: Mm. Um, I mean, I wonder whether that is, uh, I don't know if we can call it an an intentional, but but a you know, one of the aims of, of prevent if we were to if we were to attach a, a nefarious, you know, uh, um, motive to this project, um, you know, is is one such aim to, uh, to to you know to to regard the Muslim community as the other and, and to uh, and to find a or, and to to establish a uh, you know a, a a a certainty in the broader community that Muslims should be suspected and, and you know terrorism is developing and breeding in mosques and and within wider muslim circles
0: i mean even as you ask me that question i realize that my response to you is going to be very much my opinion right
2: hmm.
0: and as a muslim in this space i know that even me giving my opinion will be used against me right because yes. if i say yeah yeah i do believe that i do believe that is is, is deliberate Right, then it's like oh, conspiracy theorist, you know, all sorts. Mm. I have reported on evidence, and in the report, and the report is actually drawn upon almost 600 testimonies of people's lived experience. And like These aren't just people who have called up and said this has happened. These are people who we've gone through that journey with them. We've seen the subject access requests, we've seen the referral forms, we've seen why people referred to channel based off of the channel forms that they themselves filled out. We've seen the emails back and forth between the prevent officers. This is all evidence-based and we've drawn upon the testimonies and we've given examples of some of the themes that came out. We drew upon the government's own evidence, right? We drew upon other NGOs and other researchers who produced reports. And we put that all together in a, like, what, 150-page or so report? Mm. And, and, you know, we have the UN Special Rapporteur providing support and statement for it. That UN special, special Rapporteur is not any special rapporteur. She is the UN Rapporteur for the Protection of Freedoms whilst countering terrorism, Right. you know. So she's very aware of countering terrorism and very critical of PREVENT. And yet, despite the fact that I've used evidence, evidence-based approach, and only, you know, we've not, we've not littered this report with our opinion, mm. despite that, I was still attacked as being what? Islamist, mm. right? Now, what is Islamist? What, what's the word Islamist? Let's play a word game. Combine the word Islam and terrorist. What mm. word do you get? Islamist, <laughs> right? Mm. So yes. Islamist is just a way that you can accuse somebody of being a terrorist, which is a real and serious crime, okay? punishable. <laughs> you know, punishable in this country, with quite a few years you know it's not it's not on the lower end you're able to say that flippantly like you're able to say oh these islamists are doing x y and z you won't be done for libel or defamation because you know you've not actually called me a terrorist but in a way you have you know you can get david cameron uh, supporting a, a policy exchange report And saying that people who criticise Prevent, even though that criticism is not based on opinion, that criticism is based on hard evidence, right? You you can then be called an enabler of terrorism by a former prime minister, David Cameron. That's what you can be called. And so when you ask, you know, is Prevent something that um, is used to silence Muslims or used deliberately to discriminate against Muslims? My personal opinion is. 100% 100% yes, based off what I've yes. seen, based on what mm-hmm. I feel even myself as a Muslim. As a Muslim, as a Muslim mother, as a Muslim woman working in this space, as an activist, like that's what I feel. But even when I say what is based off of pure opinion without what I feel and what uh, what is based on pure evidence without what I feel, any type of opinion, I'm shot down by it. So mm-hmm. imagine those who don't have the evidence to back them up and just speak about issues. I mean, even in today's uh, report on Sarah Khan, Sarah Khan talks about um, you know, people, who, um, people who are hiding behind the label of Islamophobia. And What they're mm-hmm. really hiding is their extremist tendencies. Really? So if you say that you are a victim of Islamophobia, mm-hmm. what you're doing really is you're a secret extremist. There is no Islamophobia. And what she's doing is she is reinforcing the idea that Islamophobia does not exist. Because let's face it, UK government has not accepted that Islamophobia exists. So how can you deal with something that is Islamophobic? How can you deal with a policy that is Islamophobic if you haven't even addressed the fact that Islamophobia exists, if you're still in denial of it?
1: I mean, let's talk about the UK government strategy then. Um, They appointed William Shawcross, formerly from the Policy Exchange and the Henry Jackson Society, as its chair of its review of the PREVENT strategy. Mm. Um, Can you explain who William Shawcross is? And he's quite... I suppose, nef- the quite nefarious role of, of some of these think tanks and how they feed into the policy process at the moment.
0: William Shawcross is somebody who I'm actually surprised would be um, given the task of producing any kind of report because mm. he is very much based on opinion. Um, he has been somebody who has supported every single war and terror policy by UK government. Uh, he's, he's never shown an opinion that goes against it. So to suggest that he is somehow independent or will be working independent of government to produce any kind of report based on any type of evidence is actually quite shocking in and of itself. Um, you know, he's made comments about uh, Islam and about Muslims that are clearly Islamophobic, and this is you know these are open comments; these are open to public scrutiny. Um, he's not said them behind closed doors. These aren't accusations. He's been very open about it. He was the um, director of the um, Charity Commission, or chair of the Charity Commission, at a time when the Charity Commission very disproportionately was targeting Muslim charities. Okay? He was the director of the Henry Jackson Society, which is known for his Islamophobic stance and perpetuating the Islamophobia industry. If you look at all the people who are involved in Henry Jackson Society, actually many of them then go on to to, to work at Policy Exchange. And strangely enough, guess who was also involved as a fellow at Policy Exchange, William Shawcross, who came out with a report post the People's Review of Prevent when we did our People's Review of Prevent, who came out with a report to suggest uh, that, you know, our report was just a a small minority of Islamists trying to undermine uh, government strategy. It was Policy Exchange. So, you know, he they obviously are defending Shawcross and Shawcross is somebody who, you know, after three years has not been able to produce an independent review. To be fair, he was only appointed, you know, after Lord Carlisle had to step down, but even Lord oh. Carlisle wasn't independent. So in three years, the government hasn't been able to produce a report, even though they've tried twice to appoint a not so independent reviewer. And now I think recent reports just the other day, there were some leaks coming out um, in the mail or I'm not sure which which paper was carrying it. I think it was the mail saying that, Mm. oh, you know, we can't publish this report because the lefty lawyers at the home office (laughs) are rejecting it. It's like you're even turning against your own lawyers because they don't want to adopt whatever it is that's coming out in this report, which gives an indication that this review is a complete shambles because you can't even get it past your own government. You can't even get it past the home office. And you have to ask what they're trying to get past. Why are the lawyers stopping this report from coming out? And the idea is that the only reason that the lawyers are involved isn't due to libel. They're trying to suggest, oh, you know, they might be done for libel. No, they're not going to be done for libel. The only reason why lawyers are involved is because they are likely to be trying to pass legislation, all right, or statutory requirements at some level, going to change the way prevent works so in the same way that 2015 you know prevent went from being a policy to being a duty it was mandated i believe Mm -hmm. that this time around there will be changes on the legislative level when it comes to prevent and potentially it could be that interaction with channel so at the moment channel is voluntary you know you can Mm -hmm. choose whether or not to go onto it but i think from the leaks and from some of the stories warming us up i think yesterday there was a bbc report on a far-right extremist um, and it said, you know, he was referred to Channel but he didn't engage with it or something like that. And I just thought Mm -hmm. this is warming up for what is going to come out next, which is, you know, Channel will be mandatory. And if you think about it, just because somebody's been referred to Channel, it doesn't mean that, A, they should have to do it because, remember, they still haven't committed any crime or even suspected Mm -hmm. of preparing or intending to do a crime. How can you force, you know, even if it's helpful for them, even if, it, even if channel was a form of therapy, you cannot force somebody into therapy. It's no longer therapy, right? So how can you force somebody to get support? It's no longer support, but this is the pre-crime space. Prevent is in the pre-crime space. So what are you gonna treat them as? You're gonna treat them as criminals then, even though they haven't gone on to commit any kind of crime, nor can you ever, ever prove that they intended to do a crime, but you wanna treat them as criminals in the pre-crime space.
1: So my understanding is that Shorecross has submitted his report, as you've said, and and the government lawyers are looking are trawling through the report and trying to work out whether it's it's um, it can stand. Um, you know, as you've said, it can it can be legitimately uh, published uh, for for the reasons that you've suggested or others. And uh, in the in the uh, intervening period, there have been a, a number of leaks from the report. I mean, one such leak. Which came out in the Guardian suggested that Shawcross is arguing that um, right wing the emphasis that has been given uh, to right wing uh, extremism over the last few years uh, should be should be lessened should be de-emphasized and and the focus should come back on 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 Muslims. I'm I'm sure you would argue the focus has never really left the Muslim community, mm. but he's arguing for more of an intense focus on muslim so-called radicalization and and in in that uh, leak uh, there was a discussion about the the idea space uh, that leads to right-wing terror and i think the argument was that um the you know there is not a there is not a clear link between right-wing ideas and right-wing terror but at in the set at the same time he's arguing that we should tackle all of the so-called narratives, the conservative and so-called radical narratives that may lead to terrorism within the Muslim community. I mean, there is a contradiction there when it comes to treating right-wing terrorism and Muslim, so-called Muslim radicalization. Um, can you can you comment on that?
0: So, yeah, I agree. Obviously, for us, um, you know, far right extremism, that focus on far right extremism, it only really came into play after various criticisms and concerns about the initial focus of Prevent, which was always towards the Muslim community, right? Mm-hmm. So it was towards the Muslim community, concerns were raised that it was discriminatory. So then, after one of the reviews, they said, look, we're going to f- uh, focus on all forms of extremism and throw in, you know, far right extremism and various other activist groups into the mix as well. This is a complete red herring, not only because of the way in which far right extremists are treated when they go through prevent referral and the way in which, you know, basically the way the, the kind of sanctions and the ideas and the ways they're treated is very different to to how people who are Muslim who are being referred to prevent are treated. Um, not only that, but also it's a it's 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 not unusual that Shawcross is asking us to revert back to focusing on muslims and go away from far-right extremists and he even admits it essentially as part of that league he says no no far-right extremism you know we're at danger of capturing mainstream ideas with far-right extremism why would you say that unless you know that actually now what is mainstream and who determines mainstream other than government of the day right what is mainstream is far-right right right? far-right is a new mainstream It's a similar phenomenon to what we saw with Trump. I'm not surprised that he would want the focus away from far-right extremism, because I think that government at the moment know if they are capturing far-right extremists, if they're capturing these ideas, then they will also capture themselves. These people, when you have people in government who are um, pushing far-right ideas, of course, government is not going to want to focus on far-right extremism because it is going to be too exposing with the way in which Islamophobia has been running in this country, this idea of refocusing on Muslims, he says it openly. It's unapologetic. It's very overt. And the truth is we've got to a point now in the UK where Islamophobia is more overt. People might look at France and the UK and be very, very thankful that the UK is very far away from France. But how far away are we from France where it's very openly Islamophobic? We're not that far away. I'm sure France didn't wake up in the state that it is in today. I'm sure it was a gradual creep. And I think the UK is on that gradual creep. You know, there are more ideas about um, far right extremists. And, you know, a lot of Muslims think, particularly Muslims, I would say, um, think it's OK that Prevent exists because, you know, far right extremism is being tackled. But we don't want equal oppression. Right. Prevent is very oppressive in the way it operates. We don't want equal oppression. It doesn't work full stop. So why would we want something that doesn't work to, to occur in a different community? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You know, why would we want something that is harmful to one community to be extended to another community?
1: Now, notwithstanding all that you've said, uh, it would be remiss of me not to talk about the challenge that uh, does exist within our community. The murder of uh, David Amos MP was by someone who was motivated sadly by uh his islamic beliefs at least that's what we've we've been told uh, and i understand he was referred to prevent um i suppose what i'm asking is in your ideal world i mean would you replace prevent with something else and what form would that intervention take
0: i mean the fact that he was referred to prevent And the fact that, I think we have a list, we didn't actually include it in the People's Review of Prevent, but we do have a separate list of about 13 known terror convicts, right? Mm, mm. Who were referred to Prevent, right? Right.
2: They
0: still went on to commit the crime. Isn't Prevent supposed to stop people from doing that? Why is it that these people, having been referred or known by Prevent, um, did not get stopped? This is further evidence of the fact that Prevent doesn't work okay so there is plenty of legislation that exists there are plenty of tools in the toolkit that can be used to try and divert people away from crime and also to punish people once they have committed a crime Mm -hmm. um when people say well okay you want to remove prevent what would you replace it with why would you need to replace prevent you're we're essentially saying that prevent doesn't stop terrorism So you're saying, what would you replace it with to not stop terrorism? Because I I don't know, what what would you want me to say? I mean, prevent doesn't stop terrorism. Mm. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't stop terrorism. I'm just saying prevent doesn't. I don't have answers as to what would. I don't have the resources that government has. I don't know what the solution is, but I can definitely tell when something isn't working and when all the evidence points that it's not working I'm well entitled to say, by the way, here's the evidence. It's not working. And that's all that we're doing. And I think this flip of like, okay, what should we do? You know, taking it on as our responsibility as citizens, like it's my responsibility in order to come up with a plan to stop X, Y, Z is part of the problem. Because it's like, well, you can either put up or shut up. You know, if you don't have a solution to end something, and we're never going to be able to stop all crimes. You know, can we stop yeah. all murders? No. Can we stop all pedophiles? No. Can we stop all violent abusers? No. You know, are we going to be able to stop every terror act? Of course not. But there are other arms of the counterterrorism strategy, and there are other things that could be done. If you're talking about, you know, um, strengthening communities, go for it. Strengthen communities if that's the root of a problem. If you're talking about better education and awareness, go for it. There are always going to be people who pervert. Um, certain ideas it can pervert ideas whether those ideas are religious or not and it can come under any single religion it doesn't just have to be islam and so this idea that you know the muslim community need to take responsibility for somebody who uses a religious idea and perverts it for their own cause is actually part of that wide aspect of like it's your problem you have to deal with it and you have to be impacted by it and if you're impacted by it and you're discriminated against it well tough And nobody else would take that responsibility, no other community is expected to take that responsibility for every single member who claims to be part of their religion or group or thought process, like nobody, nobody else has to do
1: that. Thank you for your time today. And if any of our listeners wants to find out more about your organisation, how would they uh, access your material?
0: So the People's Review of Prevent um, has a separate uh, website. So it's um, peoplesreviewofprevent.org. Right. And um, the Prevent Watch, if people specifically have an issue regarding Prevent or want information about that or support with regards to uh, Prevent referral, then you can go to um, preventwatch.org.
1: Jazakallah khair. Thank you for your, for your time today.
2: Thank you.